Good to see everybody was able to get out in the snow. We had an exciting ride in. <laughs> Abby was like a pinball on the side of the road going off the snow banks. Yeah, well, she, we had to drive three, three different vehicles to get here this morning so, with everyone. But, and in all the different directions we're going this afternoon, so... But uh, praise God, we serve an awesome God, and he got us all here safely, so that's good. We're going to continue on um, the Great Commission and taking the church out of the church, and we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 28, and this part touches on another aspect of um, going into all the world. Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore... And make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So this one, um, there's three things that we want to touch upon. One is the fact that Jesus said to go and make disciples. And um, a disciple is simply, the the word disciple simply means pupil or student. So go make pupils, make students. Um, And the way we do that is is number one, we go. Number two, baptize. And number three is teach. Uh, So first we have to go. And we talked about that some last week and... To go requires action. Go is a verb. It's an action. Um, and we talked about how we have to go with the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. We have to go with a love for people. Remember, God loves people. And um, God loves you. God loves me. And God loves them out there. And that's something we really have to have um, implanted in our hearts. That God loves us and he loves them. <clears throat> First John three eighteen through 19 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Actions and in truth. Um, the parable of the lost sheep. The owner of a of hundred sheep, had, you know, he had hundred sheep. And one of those sheep ran away. So what did he do? He left the 99 alone. And he went and sought after the one that was missing. 
And when he found that one that was missing, he was greatly rejoiced because he had found his lost sheep. Um, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verses 11 through 13, he said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. That's the difference between love and duty. If we love, we lay down our lives. Duty runs away and tries to save its life. Duty has no care for the sheep. He's just doing his job. The wolf comes, ah, what's the one more sheep? Doesn't matter. One sheep runs away, ah, I still have 99. Doesn't matter. That's the difference between love and duty. We must do our work in love. This, okay. Um, love compels us to go. That's what causes us to reach out to people. Um, there's a lot of ways that we can do evangelism. And last week we talked about mainly, and, and even this week, what I'm trying to uh, get across is not so much the um, um, methods of evangelism or reaching out or taking the gospel out but what is our heart what is our motive what is why are we doing this you know and um there's a lot of different ways to do it uh like you know there's there's friendship evangelism there's lifestyle evangelism there's confrontational evangelism um you know there's there's passing out tracks there's music there's drama there's television, we have internet, you know, we have a million different things and ways to do it. And I'm personally in favor of any way that you do it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Just, you know, it's okay to do it whatever way you want. I talked about, you know, a little bit about being confrontational last week. And, um, and the one thing we have to know is that each and every one of these types of evangelism has a time and a place. Um, your neighbor is not the, t the time or place to use confrontational evangelism. You don't want to set up a loudspeaker at your neighbor's door and start preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, that may not go over too well. That's an area where you would probably want to live the life. Let them see your good works, you know. Um, the next thing is baptism. Uh, Pastor Dick does an awesome teaching on baptism. And um, not speaking necessarily of being baptized in water, but the word baptism literally means to immerse, right? And we've learned that. And not just being immersed in water, but being immersed in Jesus. And that is the thing that we want to, uh, you know, once you 
get out there and you win the souls and you got a you got somebody that's excited about Jesus that you, you that's what you want to do you want to continue to immerse them in Jesus get them telling people about what Jesus has done for them and the more you share what Jesus has done for you there's nothing that uh, that increases or solidifies your faith more than when you tell others what Jesus has done for you. It just, it just solidifies it in your own heart. And not only that, but it blesses the other person. And um, no matter how often you've shared your testimony. Now me, I, you know, I've been sharing my testimony for about 30 years. And for me, it's like, it's old hat. I've heard it a million times, you know. But to somebody that's never heard it before, it's brand new. I just got a chance to share my testimony like a couple weeks ago with somebody, that I, and I haven't shared it in a while, and it, it, was, it was brand new. They had never heard it before, and they was, wow, you know, God really did that? God really speaks to you? And it was, you know, so, and, you know, like Brother Pat, him and I, we went into prison. How many years are we going to prison, you know, every week for 12 years, right? And I've heard Pat's testimony a hundred times, but every time... It had an impact because those guys hadn't heard it a hundred times. So it's always, and never get tired of sharing what God has done for you. It's an awesome, awesome way to reach people. Um, So immerse them, immerse them in Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, 23, 4, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. And this brings us to the the last point, which is the one really that I want to... The main point for today um, is is teaching. Um, Matthew 28, 20 says, Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you, all, with you always. This is the, this is the um, central focus of making disciples. And that's teaching. Teaching them, okay? John fourteen thirty one says, Jesus said, The world must learn that I love the Father and that I do everything. I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. The world must learn and the way they will learn is by us, or by, well, what Jesus says, that I do exactly what the Father commands me. And the best way that we can teach is by simply being obedient to what God is commanding us to do. Lead by example. Show them the life of Christ. Matthew five sixteen or 5... 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Your life lights the path for people 
to, lead, to, to follow Jesus, to get to Jesus, to get to heaven. Your life is like the pathway for them, for people that don't know or haven't heard or haven't seen or known the truth. Can we say, as Paul said, imitate me? Paul said that my life, my way of life agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. And in, in another place he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. To be effective in advancing the kingdom of God, we cannot live a double standard. We can't live a church life and a secular life. There's not, there isn't a distinction. When you come to Jesus, you have your life in Christ. Church is like the, 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 you know, the icing on the cake. The cake is really big. The icing is really thin. When you think about how many hours a week you spend in church, you know, it might be, what, two or three hours at a service on Sunday morning? Well, unless you're the pastor <laughs> and you live here, but uh, I don't think I've ever been here that Dick wasn't here. But, uh, but in the, you know, there are 156 hours in a week. And when you spend two of those or two or three of those for the average person are spent in church. The rest of that time, you're out there. And how you live out there, that is where the rubber meets the road. That's the reality of who you are in Christ. Amen? That's where, um, that's what defines you as a, as a Christian, as a believer. Not the fact that you attend church on Sunday morning. So does our life agree with what we teach and preach? That is the big question. Um, I remember years ago, I was working with a guy, uh, well, there was a guy actually working with us. We were on a job, and we had hired an, an extra crew to come in to help because it was kind of big. And um, there was a guy that was working with us, and he, you know, you know, being on a construction job, I kind of, you know, I, you understand that there's going to be language, you know, it's just something you get used to, you know. Uh, and this particular guy, you know, was very proficient in using foul language. And, um, which, you know, I kind of, you know, you just take it in stride. Okay, that's just the way he is. No, it's, uh, you know, I don't, I don't try to correct guys like, you know, I just live my life, you know, and we do what we do. And um, um, on the job, you know, that's just the way I do it. But um, so... A few months later, you know, I'd got to know them. They'd been working with us for weeks and weeks. And a few months later, I was at a funeral. And um, this guy was there. And I said, oh, hey, how's it going? You know, we talked a little bit. And I said, so did you know the, you know the person? He said, oh, no, no. He said, I'm just here helping out. This, this is my church. And um, he says, I'm a deacon here. And I teach, I teach Sunday school. And he did all that, he did all that stuff. But he, 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 and he was, it was like he was a different person while he was there, you know. But at, on the job, he was, so, he was somebody else. And how do you think that affects the people in the world that see that, you know? Well, 
It, 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 you know, it, I, I was kind of shocked. I was shocked and, and you know, um, like, you know, couldn't understand it. <laughs> um, but I, let me just share you what the effect of that is. I, I talked to another guy just last week on the job. I, I work a lot, in case you haven't figured that out. Everything I do is almost on the job, you know, <laughs> almost everything. I'm home a little bit, but... Um, I was talking to a guy, and he, um, we just started talking, and he looked kind of familiar, so I said, do you go to church? Do you go to church anywhere? And he said, no, 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 I don't, I don't go to church. And then he started, to tell, he started to tell me why he didn't go to church, and he said um, when he was in the Air Force, he had volunteered to go to Vietnam way back, you know. And uh, for whatever reason, they thought, I guess they thought he was crazy because he volunteered, so they sent him to Alaska instead. And, uh, well, anyways, he was <laughs> he's up in Alaska, and he had gotten involved in, in the church in his platoon. And um, he said that there was so much backbiting and devouring among that small group that he said he never wanted anything to do with it again. And he left, and it's been 40 years he hasn't gone to church. And, or gotten involved or had no desire to get involved, you know. So that's kind of what you, that's what happens when you live a double standard. Um, we, can't be, we can't be effective in advancing the kingdom of God when our life does not agree with what we're preaching or teaching. Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. says, um, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, would shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The light of God shed abroad in our hearts. Um, there's three things there that he mentions. That One, we have to renounce secret and shameful ways, not walking deceitfully or in craftiness, and then and, and handling the word of God. Um, We need to avoid the very appearance of evil as believers. There is a general suspicion in the world against people that are Christians or, or, or evangelists or 
ministers, you know, televangelists, there's a general suspicion of what are they doing and why are they doing it in the world. Because we've seen so much, so many that had, had fallen because their, their secret life had become public. And now it, it caused, you know, major devastation. And, and now the world looks at the church with skepticism and, and suspicion, you know. So we have to, as believers, have to live exemplary to the point where we don't even have the appearance of anything being wrong. Because if, if there is even the appearance of something wrong, people immediately judge you and you are immediately convicted, tried, and found guilty before you even have a chance to say whether you, what, or even explain what has happened, you know. So provide all things honest and in the sight of, in the sight of man. What happens is um, when a man lives a double life in ministry or as a believer, what he does is he denies in private practice what he proclaims in public proclamation. Um, what we do is we violate three fundamental truths when we live a double standard. First, we, we implicitly deny the omniscience of God. Um, Ananias and Sapphira is a perfect example of that. Um, they had a piece of land. And at that time, a lot of the believers were selling their property and bringing the money to the disciples and putting it at their feet. Um, and, and, and then the money was being distributed. Well, Ananias and Sapphira, they had a piece of land also. So they sold their piece of land, but before they brought the money, they both decided together that they were going to keep back part of that money. But when they brought the money, they said that it was the whole price that they had gotten for the land. Peter asked them, is this the price you got for the land? And Ananias, yes, it is. And, and Peter said, why have you decided, why have you decided to, to, to lie to the Holy Spirit? And he says, wasn't this piece of land yours before you sold it? Yes, it was. Well, wasn't the, the money after you sold it, wasn't that yours also? Yes, it was. Then, and, and could you not have done, you know, he could have kept back 50% of the money and then brought 50% and said, this is 50% of the money. I kept 50% for myself and that would have been fine. But he, he was living a double standard because he wanted the people to, to think that he was more than what he was, or that he was something that he wasn't. He wanted them to see that, yes, I see me, I sold all my land too, and I brought all the money too, just like these other guys did. But he had kept back the, a piece and then lied to God. And instantly, dropped dead. <laughs> we deny the omniscience of God. Sapphira came along, Peter gave her an opportunity. She could have, you know, repented right then and there. She could have said, no, you know, this, this wasn't the full price. We did keep some of the money back. But no, she went along with this, the, the plan, and she said, yes, this was the full price. And the same thing happened to her immediately. She died. Time's up. God knows all things. God is everywhere at all times. There's nothing we can do or nowhere we can go that God isn't there or doesn't know what we're doing. You can't hide from God. He loves you, you know. He's with you always. 
Another thing that we do is um, this: I, we we challenge the righteousness of God. We get this idea in our head that God really doesn't care. Oh, this is okay. God really doesn't care. He doesn't mind. And if he doesn't, you know, if we do something that we know we're not supposed to be doing or God says not, and he doesn't strike us with a bolt of lightning that moment, we think that it's okay and God doesn't really care. But that's not true. God does care, and it is important. It's just that God isn't, you know, willing that any should perish. He's patient with us. And he waits, and he waits, and he waits, and he gives us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to get it right because he loves us, and he's not willing that any should perish. The other is handling the word of truth, um, that we do not use the word in deceptive ways. Um, there was this country preacher, and he went looking for a job, and the interviewing committee interviewed him and asked, do you know much about the Bible. And the preacher said, oh yeah, I know the Bible through and through. They asked, what's your favorite book? He said, the book of Mark. He said, what's your favorite part? He said, the parables. They said, what's your favorite parable? He said, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And they said, can you tell it to the committee? He said, oh yeah. He says, it goes like this. There once was this man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among the thorns. And the thorns sprung up and choked him. And then he went on, he didn't have any money. And he met the queen of Sheba, and she gave him a thousand talents of gold and a thousand chains of raiment. And he got into a chariot and drove furiously. And he was driving under a big juniper tree, his hair caught on a branch of that tree. And he hung there many days. And the ravens brought him food to eat and water to drink. And he ate 5,000 loaves of bread and two fishes. One night while he was hanging there asleep, his wife Delilah came and cut off his hair. And he dropped and fell on stony ground. But he got up and went and, and went on and it began to rain. And it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And he hid himself in a cave and he lived on locusts and honey. Then he went on until he met a servant who said, Come, let's have supper together. And he made an excuse and said, I'm, I've, I've just married a wife. I can't come. And I can't go. And the servant went on and into the highways and the hedges and compelled him to come in. And after supper, he went on and came down to Jericho. And when he got up there, he looked up and he saw that old queen Jezebel sitting down high up on the window. And she laughed at him. And he said, throw her down out there. And they threw her down. And, they, and he said, throw her down again. And they threw her down, 70 times, 70 times. And the fragments that, that remain, they picked up 12 basketful, besides women and children. And they, they say, blessed are the peacemakers, P-I-E-C-E. Now whose wife do you think she will be in the judgment day? Quite a distortion. When we use the word of God, we need to not distort it. <laughs> I think they were so confused by the end that they, <laughs> they said, uh, okay. He knew the Bible through and through. 
Paul said we did not use deceptive means. And why? Because when he looks at the people, he looks at them as if they were his own children. He looks at them in the same way that a mother would look at her own child. And a mother would not deceive her own children. Any, you know, and She just would not do that. She would not deceive her own children. And Paul, in the same way, would not deceive his children any more than a mother would. All the moral laws cannot change the heart of man. To rescue the flesh, we must work on the spirit. God's spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We speak the word of God, and God changes the heart. We can't change the person. Um, Flesh gives birth to flesh, and the spirit gives birth to spirit. I just want to close with one last verse in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2, 12 through 16. It says, Therefore, my beloved, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my, pre- in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God, without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, um, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Hold fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out... uh, As a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Amen.